0: Welcome. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only. Well, it's not the one and only anymore. It's only half of the one and only IT in the D show. We are uh, broadcasting live from our quarantine homes. My name is Bob Walton I'm your host tonight. I'm joined by producer Randy Walker. You can find us online it in and do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts are sold before we get on with introductions to our guest. Uh, it's customary that we do a shot to the one and only Dave, the geek Phillips. Um, I got a little bit of peanut butter whiskey going on, which was one of his favorites. Um, so if you got a glass in front of you, I don't care if it's water pop, whatever. Uh, cheers, Dave, you son of a bitch. We miss you. Cheers. So, um, joining us, you might be familiar to you. he might not be, cause he's, he is world famous and infamous at the same time. He is, uh, a youtube star at what point, we're going to talk about that what does what it is take or how far how far do you got to get along with this to be a youtube star but he is a technologist his uh love for technology goes back as far as mine we're gonna have a lot of great stories going all the way back to the early days of bbsing and uh you and the tv repair business you were in we gotta oh. i gotta dive into that that was hilarious um you made me <laughs> laugh uh, but none other than tom lawrence of lawrence systems he's uh He's so awesome. He named his company after himself. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, and it's not awesomeness. It's just I'm not clever at names. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't – so you didn't want to be the – the. there was the three names I always hated, which was like the three-letter names, which was like we're PCI, and it's like Programming Computers Incorporated. And then there was always like – the one I hated the most was Covansis when they came out because it was Converged Systems Technologies or whatever. I forget whatever the three words were. Then they just sparse them. And then the ones that were really clever went back through Latin books and then checked it through GoDaddy to see if the you know if that was there. Then they we hey let's name it this it's 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 open on GoDaddy. Yeah, for me it's like last name's Lawrence. I don't know. I'll call it Lawrence Systems. Why not? (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Lawrence Pack is the legal name. So (laughs) right. So I gotta hop in real quick. I always like talking about movies and crap first. Have you seen Army of the Dead yet? older older one the one that just came out on netflix last week no i have not randy i know you watched it i did not no oh my god about- so i gotta talk about this by myself i'm not gonna spoil it um usually we spoil bad batch and all that but i'm not spoiling it it's zach snyder oh. and it's basically it's it's set in las vegas and they won me over because they immediately went into a richard cheese version of viva las vegas to set the stage <laughs> and basically what happens is um there's a zombie breakout in Vegas and they basically build a um, three story tall shipping container wall around Vegas and they're going to nuke it. Um, And then basically a businessman says there's $200 million in this one casino's vault, but you got to break in and, you know, not get killed by zombies. Who's up for it? So it's basically getting these team of people to go in and, um, but it's classic Zack Snyder. He does that pull in focus stuff uh, like way too much. To try to be cinematic or whatever he's trying to do, Um, but it's a it's a really cool cast. Um, Dave Bautista's like the head, uh, our you know the the group that he put together, the pro wrestler and the guy from uh, Guardians. Um, But it's a hell of a watch. It ends in classic zombie movie ending. Um, I was hoping it wouldn't be like the you know the daughter is the only one that survives, and thank God that that wasn't the only. They they did a cool little twist. Um, Definitely highly recommended. It was a tons of gore um but like so that's why i wanted to see if you would watch it so these were like these are smart zombies i don't know how else to say that like they actually like grouped up and they weren't just the dumb ones that are just brains like you know um not like dawn of the dead and like walking dead these were like okay coordinated efforts they're fast they actually like dodge gunfire you know what i mean so it's like we're like which you know i'd last three seconds in that world just to be candid um I always, I always wanted to be chased by the Walking Dead ones because at least on crutches I can kind of outrun them. Um, but yeah, these ones were uh, these ones were scary. What was that zombie movie where they ran really fast and it was weird? Well, it was World War Z. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I Am Legend. They were fast as hell too. Yeah,
1: well, they the, were I Am Legend, was and I Am like Legend like weren't they? Which one, Randy? I Am Legend. I thought they were vampires, not zombies.
0: No, they were. Uh, were they? zombies? No, they were. Well, they were kind of what were, they were kind of like. The, yeah, they looked like zombies though. Like you know, he had the yeah. antidote. That movie sucks. Annie, anyway. with the dog scene, forget it. It's like yeah. a Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin commercial. Kiss my ass. Whoever wrote that scene into that movie.
1: So I just looked up this movie, and it looks like they digitally replaced an actor in this movie after they reshot it. Or after they what? shot it. Yeah, it was supposedly uh, supposed to be Chris D'Elia, but they replaced him with Tignataro in all post processing.
0: Huh. So you I don't know who one of those is. No. Uh,
1: Chris Dalia is a long-haired comedian from Detroit. I think. Okay, and uh, Tig Notaro is a uh, actress from uh, most recently Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah.
2: Tig, Tig is really cool. She's uh, yeah. she's got a great comedic sense. Such yeah. a great smart
0: ass. <laughs>
1: she's hilarious.
0: I didn't. Yeah. Nobody looked weird except for the zombies. Because well, like you know the uh, head zombie was smart because he like wore like a metal mask so he couldn't shoot him in the
2: head. And isn't Daily only famous because he made fun of Eminem and it went viral or something?
1: He had a comedy series or something for a while. Yeah. Uh Tick Notaro was the pilot, Greg says.
0: Oh, yeah. She got digitally. Yeah. She oh,
1: was she, was in
0: that, she was hilarious. She was hilarious in that movie. She's
2: she's She's got like a great comedic presence because she does. Uh, I, I like her on
0: Star Trek Discovery. She plays like a real smart ass, uh, just great character. So it must have been the same because she was a total like kind of quirky smart ass. Yep. You know, proper use of swear words when they, you know. Yeah. You know, she didn't swear just to swear. It was always like, you know, some oddball one liner. No, I thought she was hilarious. Um, are you watching Bad Batch at all, Tom? No. See, now, this is what I think is funny about... I know Randy is. This is what I think is funny about Lucasfilm and, and all what they're, they're making movies and shows to get gaps in to answer questions. Like, how did we go from clone stormtroopers to human stormtroopers? So they had to create an entire series to basically answer that question. So Tarkin is testing out this, like, batch of human enhanced uh, stormtroopers stormtroopers versus the clones. And they're like whipping ass. So it's kind of like this whole, but now it's going into the sub story with this, you know, with this kid and um, super well-written again. Like it's, it's uh if you get a wa- chance to hit it, watch it.
2: I'm, yeah, it. I'm always looking for new series. Well, my wife is, she's always like, come watch TV with me. Somewhat, we you know, not the new series is. So I'll, I'll look that one up. <laughs> no, it's Disney
0: plus it's solid. Um, now that uh Falcon winter soldiers over, or like we like to call it the, uh, the Bucky and the Papa Doc Hour. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is the next best thing. What else is coming? Oh, um, oh my God! What was the preview today for for Marvel? The um, Eternals. Eternals. Thank you. Did you the watch it? I did great. not.
1: I have no idea what the movie's about based on it, though. So couldn't tell I, you uh, if you held the gun to my head. I'm not. Familiar I know with Dinesh from, from Sil-
0: I know Dinesh from Silicon Valley's in it because he was on a couple shows talking about how he got like Rip Ryan Reynolds eight pack going on. Um, which is you know, so the, the shows, I think that, that one's going to be great too. Um, so did you, uh, did you finally see what your bartenders look like this weekend, Tom? But but. at all the local bars, the bartenders don't have to wear masks anymore. Oh yeah. There's a a lot of people I'm seeing for the first time. And like, you know, like I, I was saying, like the physical therapist that I work with, um, I'm like, this is what you look like. There's bartenders now. I'm like. It's so nice to see what you actually look like. It is kind of weird sometimes. Like
2: it's, uh, We got used to it every year. Now when I don't see people in masks, I'm like, oh, that's strange. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> well, I guess there's a place out by you called the Sports Venue Bar and Grill. And uh, apparently you can not wear a mask, but you have to show your papers, please. Okay. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are. You get a wristband and you're allowed to walk around with a mask and those do not show the card be asked to wear a mask when not seated and of course like a good boy i clicked the comment section on the, the Fox <laughs> article and it was an absolute shit show of there, there's never videos. been a useful
2: comment on facebook to a news post especially i don't, when know, I don't know why people
0: mask. still do it i used to unless it's like a funny gif i won't i refuse to type anything anymore i used yeah. to get all robble robble and type crap and now it's like
2: no i'm only there for the snark and the gifs actually so
0: that i do sure. read them. <laughs> but like i don't know like you know, I have my card in my car. So, but I'm like, if I went into a bar and I said, "You need to show your card," I'm, am I gonna go back? If I go back out to my car, I'm, am I gonna leave? I don't know. I guess it depends who's inside. If it's just me, I, I got a
2: pin that says I'm vaccinated. So I'm like, nice. I don't know. I just put the pin on. Just point at the pin.
0: Rumor has it that you got the tattoo with the corona coronavirus with the band aid with the oh. date you got vaccinated. That would be cool. Do you see that that's a thing? There was like a bunch of pictures going around. Like this whole <laughs> arm was a, the coronavirus band Johnson and Johnson, like 41921. like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what are you doing?
2: Put my shot records on my arms. I, I kind of like that. I don't have any tattoos, you know. That can be my first one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you were talking about ransomware earlier, and I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, and then get, you know, uh, but apparently Krebs wrote an article. Which I always think is funny. I sent this to the, I sent this to the guys at work, and they're like, "Well, now that it's out, it's not a thing anymore." Um, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, good point. Especially if it's on Krebs, but it's uh, it's called, Try this one weird trick Russian hackers hate.' Yes, and basically it was installing Russian Ukrainian language into your into your environment, and then they kind of like have this thing where they won't bust their own. Yes, so they avoid it. So now I'm again. They made a great point at, at work saying like, well, now it's not a thing anymore because now it's on Krebs. Um, so there's there's actually some – the ransomware negotiators will hire people who are
2: uh, native Russian speakers to negotiate it down. And there's a few sto- great stories in our sysadmin on Reddit, kind of the same thing where um, how I beat the ransomware people was – they were native Russian speakers and they right away saying, Oh, I'm in the U S on work visa. You've, you have messed up my computer and they've talked them out of it. And they're like, Oh, I feel bad for you. And because he knew enough, you know, the person actually was from Russia, uh, but he doctored up his visa, like Photoshopped it, sent him a copy of his visa to really. And he says, man, he goes, they went from this huge ransom. uh, He works in it and to like a nothing ransom. They're like, just give us 50 bucks and
0: sorry for the trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I would have never thought that this is, I don't know how this got out, but this is, you know, yeah, exactly. It's brilliant. Company better promote him like quickly. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, If you spend any time in the dark web
2: forums looking at how they do ransomware as a service, it the authorities generally in that area, Russia and things like that, are turning such a blind eye to it because you don't attack us, you steal money from these dumb Americans who click things like who you know what I mean. So, to them, it's a win win situation because these are the high rollers or the gangsters of the area, you know what I mean? They're bringing the money and driving a Mercedes because you look at the money these guys make, it's insane. Um, it's just wild amounts of money they have an entire affiliate link system because it's um the whole breakdown of the like the uh the company that does writes the ransomware then the people that actually take the time to get the phishing links is all separated but then it's paid out as affiliate commission when they you know buy the ransomware as a service to these companies there's a whole tiered system if you spend time in the forums you're just blown away at how it all works. And uh, you just have to go to Meyer and buy uh $250 gift cards to pay them all off. Oh, come That's on. Right. The crypto stuff solved all that problem. That's what really, uh, that was like the missing component. Ransomware got more popular as crypto did too, because once you had a way to move the money and then you have the money tumblers to kind of
0: hide the transactions, away you go. And <laughs> Venmo them anymore. Like what? Else? So, I like to make an admission publicly. I don't, I don't think I've ever did. Maybe I did. Um, it's kind of like when I admitted I'd never seen the movie Godfather on the show. Um, I've never been anywhere near the dark web. Never even had an uh, interest in going on it. It's you know, mostly garbage. You no, know, and I'm the guy that, you know, downloaded the anarchist cookbook at, you know, at 14 years old. and <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and actually tried a couple things out with the, the glass bottle and... Uh, rolled up aluminum foil and, and tied and you know. Yeah,
2: it was always the it was the Dawn soap and gasoline mixture formulas. Those are my favorites. I never <laughs> wanted it to, I, I was afraid of gas when I was like,
1: <laughs> So uh speaking of crypto, I listed some old CDs I was cleaning the basement and listed some old CDs on Facebook and uh for sale and somebody offered me Dogecoin for them. I'm not gonna create a new wallet and set up a new cryptocurrency just to get Five dollars for some CDs. I'm sorry, it's not worth the effort. On my Unless end. you
0: give it to me at uh, yeah, at like last month's rates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
2: always uh, that's always fun. Is all the crypto stuff. It's just it because we have we still get people like wanting to pay us in crypto sometimes when we do the consulting work. And I'm just like, no. So I have another meeting tomorrow with a cryptocurrency company. I'm like, no, you have to pay in U.S. dollars. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like so I don't know what the money's worth each day.
0: <laughs> one of the security companies that I'm working with now. He's uh, one of the vendors. Um, He actually wrote a billion coins and wrote some software. He went way over my head when he started talking about it. But he started like a joke crypto. I forget what he named it. But uh, Neil, when he had like three vodka tonics in his belly, registered lintcoin.com. It's powered by the belt chain. So (laughs) I actually told this guy about it. He goes, oh, my God, can I put a billion coins in lintcoin? And I'm like, no, you can't. Maybe, I don't know, let me get Neil drunk and we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we might start our own Doge. We just got to get Elon Musk to tweet about it. We'll figure it out. Uh, isn't that what crypto is, just gambling on Elon's tweets? I don't know what it is. So here's here's my take, and I talked about it with Kasten last week. And I started watching and reading about like Ethereum and what it's doing and how governments are taking a look at decentralized currency and I'm taking, I'm kind of peeling this back and I'm, I'm kind of, it kind of started starting to make sense to me um, that it's become, this is the Napster of money, but it's not like a one, two year flip. It's like a 20, 30 year flip Yeah, where there's going to be a couple of big countries. We don't know. Maybe it's China, maybe it's Russia, maybe it's any, maybe it's, you know, Cayman islands that their entire currency goes decentralized and it becomes their way you know and then all of a sudden it's kind of becomes a thing um i think that's the biggest fear of everybody in the us that the, the dollar's not the global standard um and i'm you know i think in 20 30 years we might see that
2: yeah i don't I don't think it's that it's a useless technology. It's just currently the Wild West right now with very big fluctuations trying to pick the winner. It's all just gambling right now. But the concept and the technology fascinates me, and I think there's purpose for it. I like the concept. I like the idea that I can exchange uh, goods for money with Bob without a third party, so to speak. So conceptually, yeah, cool. All all that stuff kicks ass, but it's that – functional part of it of it just betting on the money and trying to figure out oh Elon tweeted so we made up a fake coin, we call it Dogecoin. Elon tweeted it. Now it's worth triple. Why?
0: Well, don't well and then it's <laughs> it's bullshit for the fact that A, it's not backed. B, right. you can lose your damn thumb now you now it's different, but losing a thumb drive you can lose two hundred million dollars. Right. Um because you don't have your password, which you know, in any normal bank and any normal currency, you know, in fiat you wouldn't have that issue. It would be there. So that's kind of a thing is like, well, what the hell is it then if, you know, I got $200 billion on a thumb drive that I can't access because I forgot my, you know, password was one, two, three, four, five, you know,
2: there, there's a lot of different concepts and. I think this is the challenge you really have with the general public. I watched someone struggling trying to get their stupid card to swipe and trying to f- remember their PIN number. And I'm like, yeah, this is the lady in front of me is clearly not ready for crypto. The, the, the visa was enough to really cause her to ride the
0: struggle bus at Kroger's. So I was so like, who? <laughs> I want to know who is the snake oil salesman that got an AT, a Bitcoin ATM machine into every liquor store in the city of Detroit proper? I mean, how do those work? Dude, I don't know. I like to buy one Bitcoin. That'll be $57,000, please. Like, I just put money in. Like, I don't know if it transfers between your ATM card and, like, what do you get back? Like, they're not
2: a device I plan. I, I see them. I see the signs because even, you know, even where I live downriver, I, these things are popped up everywhere. And I'm just like, I've not touched them. It seems like the worst way to interact with Bitcoin would be through an ATM at a party store. It just sounds yeah, horrible. Do you
1: have to, like, type out your wallet. ID or something on that little nine digit keypad or?
2: Yeah. Part of me wants to touch it so I can learn, but I feel like everything about it is some type of scam. Like there's That's a cheat, yeah. by the way. It feels The shady. only
1: thing I do with Bitcoin is Cash App occur- occasionally gives me a boost where, you know, apply this boost to your next transaction or whatever. I get 5% back in Bitcoin or whatever. So, you know, I've got like four, seven, 11, 13, $12, $5 out there, depending on what it is. So,
0: I'm uh all I know is I am Bitcoin rich right now. Um, hang on, I'm opening up. I have a, uh, Oh, how many do I have? I have, uh, I have $27 in Bitcoin. Um, I have 0. 0.00307 Bitcoin. <laughs> Cause because What's... when the guys, when the guys were on the show talking crypto, they must have bought Bitcoin at a dollar and sold it 20 grand or whatever. Like, you know, like a handful of people did. So now they're experts in it because they, you know. Got in and out at the right time, but yeah. I, I ended up putting like a grand on Litecoin, and then I pulled it out like a year later for like twenty percent less. So, but <laughs> they gave you like a, a bonus in Bitcoin. So yeah, so I got twenty-seven bucks. I'm rich. Yeah, my current rich.
1: Bitcoin holdings amount to six dollars and twenty-nine
0: cents US. Ooh, you're even better, Rich. Yeah, exactly. So, Tom, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, like you know, uh, well, I want to get into the technologist part either earlier. Uh, later on but you're you know i don't want to say man of many towns because we all kind of have our hustle our side hustle it's kind of like a detroit thing but you um more so than anyone i've ever known like kind of own the youtube game right now like i remember watching you or starting you know when you had nothing not saying it's you know like you don't have everything now but you're getting close where you know you're celebrating your hundred and ninety thousandth subscriber on your youtube channel which is Pretty goddamn remarkable considering my uh, the, one of the streamers I watched from Call of Duty has 300,000 and he's nationally known um, not to rock a microphone, but just from you from Call of Duty. Um, that was that was a Rob Bass joke. It takes two. I know. <laughs> man. Dave would have laughed. laughed. I got it. I got it. Dave, <laughs> Dave would have laughed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so talk to me through that process because we we kind of went through the same thing with IT and the D show. where, you know one day we're 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 kind of you know recording for our parents and our wives, and the next moment we're getting you know letters from or emails from letters, emails from San Francisco and Texas and people that listen to us all over the you know. Um, I guess talk to me about you know a why you started it and you know building an audience. That's like everybody's question for me. Like let's let's dive into that real quick.
2: So um, a lot of it you know, I did a little bit of public speaking before. That was part of the, you know, IT business I run. You get out in front of people, public speaking is the easiest way. If you're, you know, talking technology, they probably want to talk to you about their technology. Um, And then, you know, I like to get deep in weeds on things. So I'd actually spoke at uh, numerous open source conferences and things like that. Uh, Firewalls was one of my favorite topics, open source firewall topics and diving deep into them. And people like, Hey, where is this going to be available? Like on YouTube or something? I'm like, Oh, yeah, I could probably do that. That that seems like a reasonable place. I've heard of this YouTube thing. And uh, obviously, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. So around 2015 is when I posted just a couple of videos, and it seemed to do fairly well. Then I posted some more, and then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? And just because I was doing so much laptop repair, my early videos, there's actually a bunch of laptop repair videos on how to fix certain, like, replacing circuit boards and things like that to replace screens. How they come apart. So it all really centered around I like doing tutorials. And it's just kind of a fun interaction when people are like, hey, this really helped me fix something. You're like, cool. Now I going to make another one and another one.
0: And uh I can't that how everybody's people. learning things now. Like, yeah. I had to fix my dryer in my house. So I looked up a couple YouTube videos, and voila, I didn't have to hire the Sears man, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I put know, in a closet system and watched a YouTube video to make sure I was doing it right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, from plumbing to you name it. I've learned absolutely a massive amount from YouTube. Um, matter of fact, that's mostly what I watch. Why I don't watch as much TV is because uh, I've been wanting to up my skills on motorcycle riding. So I've been watching all these tutorial videos on how to be a better off-road rider. Like <laughs> YouTube, that's the solution for that.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that's, what, that's the one thing that bothers me when everyone, like, um, I hate using, like, coining millennials, but, like, I hear, like, people in their, like, late 20s, early 30s going, They never taught us life in school, man. Like they never taught us how to balance checkbooks and credit and everything. I'm like, do you realize like at your fingertips right now, there's more wealth and knowledge out there, like from Coursera to you can take a Harvard class and U of M classes for free if you want to. Um, That's that's open source. Basically, every book, every YouTube video, there's so much. I mean, again, that's I think that's another problem is there's so much. Where the hell do you start? Yeah, curation
2: is a really hard part and um, i'm I'm a victim of that because I started the brute force method of I can crank videos out because I built a really solid production process and you know I have over close just under 1200 videos published on YouTube right now um, and then we realized they're hard to find and people had just because YouTube doesn't do the best job of indexing everything so we built another site Lawrence uh, dot technology where we curate all all the latest tutorials on a particular topic because For any one topic, firewalls are a great example. When there's a new version, I remake the same video to match the new features in the new version. So I end up with a different, uh, like people always want to know what the latest one is. So we started curating any particular topic I cover um, on there. That's been kind of the latest little side project to youtube is the curation a few people said i should charge for the curation because it's all i'm doing is curating my own videos but it obviously i have staff doing that so there's labor involved but i don't know it it brings more views and uh overall it's been it's been a big boost for the channel because i went back and re-upped all those videos and always re-point to the latest one so everything's back to there but yeah it's kind of a, a the the Cycle is going back and re-updating your old videos to point to the newest version of the videos, which of course brings you more and more subscribers. And the subscribers is only one component of it. I actually, I noticed the other day, like um, a person, they, they wanted to offer me some consulting and I said, oh, that looks interesting. They have like 500,000. So they're at half a million. So cool. But they aren't at the number of views I have right now. I'm at like 32 million views because not everybody subscribes. They watch me for tutorials and go, I don't, really give a crap about subscribing to this guy. I came here to learn a thing. It's like when you watch a plumbing video. You watch the plumbing video and you're like, I know how the pipe goes together. Goodbye. I'm well, not subscribing.
0: <laughs> not only that, some of the, I forget, there's like two of them that I hit subscribe and I click the notification bell. And guess what? Then it bugs the shit out of me on my phone all day. So-and-so posting a video. So I'm like, that's hot trash. I don't want that. So there's, you know, subscribing is one thing because you don't really get it bombarded with it. It's just under a subscribe tab. Um, But the notification bell can kiss my ass just to be candid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of finding that happy balance. Like some people want to know your life. My cousin's more of a life vlogger. She has like over a million subscribers on her main channel and half a million on her other channels. Uh, But she's just, you know, the story is her and her dogs and her life. And there's people who want to watch
0: that. And that's great. Those people she's, always... She's probably a care. smoke show. That's why. it's It not has nothing to do with their dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, tutorials make it a little bit
2: harder to gain the subscribers because I cover a wide variety of topics. You know, it's firewalls. It's virtualization. It's a storage server. So I guess if you're in the tech realm, my topics are consistently... As long as you're interested in all those things, um, it makes sense. But you're right. It, it can be annoying. And you'll watch it, some of the videos if I do... If I pivot to some of the business videos, which now I'm splitting to a different channel, I actually can watch that I... Gain almost no subscribers, which means I'm actually losing some. Uh, There'll always be a number of people at loss. They're like, ah, that's not interesting. Like you said, they're they're going. I got noticed about videos I didn't want to see, so they unsubscribed to me. Um, That's where I've not grown as fast as I could have is by not niching down in a channel. The more niche you are, if you do like one task on YouTube and split it up into like each channel is dedicated to the thing you want to cover, you'll actually gain subscribers a lot faster. It's it's kind of a tricky balance to be able to do it.
1: Can we go back to your Content policy so you said when you when a new version comes out or something you need to make a new tutorial. Do you replace the existing video? Do you upload a new video and delete the old video? I, what do you do?
2: I always upload a new one and reference that there's a newer version in the top of the description. The reason why is because well, as you know, if you work in tech at all, people don't update things. So someone loves having the tutorial still available to them because they are stuck on two versions behind from three years ago or whatever. So I leave it there. It's a good reference material. It's still, you know, it's relevant if you're still running the old version. Um, and some people are There's for reasons, whatever, they're stuck on that version. So I leave them there. Um, but it still pushes traffic to the next version all the time uh so it's kind of been in the process it's been a little tricky to go back and uh, index them but now that we're starting in now that we have our own index of all the videos and i got a pretty good memory for everything i produced um out of those 1100 videos so i'm able to go back and uh do it relatively quickly uh there's a couple tools that kind of make that a little bit easier it's actually all tied to spreadsheets now it's all like in a live google doc sheet that gets updated with all the videos and organized make it a little bit easier on the back end there's still
0: some admin time that goes into it nice I, I can't imagine. Oh, I mean, one of the things I always thought that you did was tackling things that are unique because um, everyone's doing videos on Cisco, including Cisco themselves, right. right? The big vendors all have their own stuff and they have their channel partners and, you know, <laughs> but, but you're tackling more the, um, you know, the stuff that's uh, more not unique, but it's more uh, not as widely yeah. covered.
2: Well, and what happens is when you have someone like some of the open source stuff, first, there's a, the assumption um, that they're not used in large companies, which is generally false. Second, when you have an open source product, they don't have a channel partner program. They don't have a group of salespeople and a team that was built up by a channel partner program to advocate for the product as part of the portfolio that's offered. Um, and a lot of people, if you're trying to look for a channel partner program, you go, how do I monetize giving away a free and open source product? It, that seems a little bit, it's a different business model, so it's harder to do, but I mean, Red Hat figured that out. Red Hat's about the only neat company I can yeah. consistently figure out how to do it right. Um, but a lot of people have followed Red Hat. So like the I, I've worked with the Vates company, which um, is the parent company for Zen Orchestra and XCPNG for the open source hypervisor system. And you're like, well, who's really using that? Well, massive data centers in Europe. Matter of fact, uh, my consulting job today was setting up 1,100 servers in OVH that are all running on XCPNG, all in their colo locations. So I guess at 1100 servers is a decent enterprise company uh, for hosting. They host all their phone systems on this and this is a fully open source product. And they, they just kind of said, you know, we're in Europe we're, we're VMware is just overpriced and we wanted to go with the new AMD epics and the per core pricing is going to, just not make sense to us so they went xcpng they bought consulting from us to do the migration off of esxi over to the zen system and but that's all from they they know us from youtube that we did a bunch of tutorials on it and they're like here they are my tutorials uh, are now the official documentation for if you go to xcpng and their whole documentation for that project my videos are listed in their documentation for tutorials on how to set things up Well, why the hell write it when you got a guy that did it for you? Yeah. (laughs) I write it when you got a guy that did it for you. And it all works out for us. We get, uh, we land the commission jobs for setting up the servers and everything else. They land subscription uh, backend services and people hiring them for custom programming for their side of the house that they take care of. And so it's created kind of this happy ecosystem where a lot of us are going, Hey, you know, this is actually kind of lucrative for all of us involved and cool for people that want to build it in your home lab. They can go grab it, download it, and load any of this in their home lab. I have the whole instructions out of there if you want to put the time in it. But like anything, I've watched people do things on YouTube and go, that looks like something I should hire.
0: (laughs) And that's That's also
1: (laughs) kind of how open source works is you contribute what you can. In your case, you're contributing documentation. Yep.
0: So that's an interesting segue uh, bringing up home lab. So you decided to spin off another channel. Um, I guess talk to me about that real quick
2: yeah, we started uh, the Home Lab show, and we got um, I think about four thousand subscribers. It took us only eight episodes because we knew me and my friend Jay, if we did this, we knew our collective audiences all we had to do was publish it on our YouTube channels that we were doing a podcast, and just immediately all the people would kind of follow. So a lot of people have been asking me to do some type of dedicated podcast, you know, something audio. I listened on my way to work. So the tricky part was I'm used to being very visual. Not doing podcasts. I do have the Sunday morning Linux Review podcast, which kind of fell apart a little bit because everyone kind of went separate ways. So we're not doing that as often, but maybe we, because um, it's 7 a.m. on a Sunday, you psychos. Yeah, we're psychos. That's well, we're a bunch yeah. of Linux nerds. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got some people together, got some guests on the show. Uh, that were one of the first guests is a guy who works at Red Hat and uh, if you're familiar with Docker, he wrote a lot of the implementation stuff over at Red Hat for things like that. So we had him as a guest for a couple episodes, uh, which, of course, he has a big following of other people that wherever he goes, the. The nerds will follow because, <laughs> you know, he write some cool stuff. Um, so that that came together really well. And it's just about teaching people how to build all these systems and scale them in your home lab, which eventually leads to you getting a job in corporate. Because if you want the job in corporate, you know, search are cool. I mean, they're definitely uh, a way to gatekeep at HR. Going, hey, we at least like you to see certified in this. But people really want to know how much do you really know and being able to exercise those skills by building out your servers at home and understanding how to do that. That's what we talk through in that podcast is every step of the way, the different tools you use, those teach you that teaches you all those enterprise skills you need. So when you get a job and you want to be a, you know, a virtualization expert, whether it's ESXi or any of the other flavors out there, or you want to just be a uh scripting expert on building automation tools. You know, we just had one where we dove deep, you know, Terraform, Ansible, and everything else. Those those are great tools to learn. You can deploy them in your home and you can build, you know, we built a, uh, my friend built a Kubernetes cluster on Raspberry Pis. This is something that's very affordable. You can build a 12-server load balancing system for a few hundred bucks that's completely affordable to set up in your home but all you have to do is replace raspberry Pis with nice enterprise dell servers the same premise scales to a you know million dollar facility so the skill set is uh very transportable and you know a lot of people get excited they want to host things themselves um you mentioned you mentioned it's on disney's plus for that show we were talking about disney plus netflix everyone's 995 a month uh, to death. Well, I, I wish it was nine ninety five. What is it now? Netflix is twelve dollars a month. $17.95. Yeah. Every, I my wife pays those bills. I don't know. We subscribe to all those things, but I'm looking at it myself, going, "Hmm,
0: about to sail the piracy seas again." <laughs> it's getting close. That was a hot topic for us for a while. Going when when see Randy subscribes to some of the dumb ones. No offense, Randy, um, <laughs> but like Tubi and like CBS, and when all these like these, these really dumb. You know Disney Plus, I did it for Mandalorian. That was it. That was the only reason. YouTube uh, Plus, I did it for Cobra Kai. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, Cobra Kai's off the air. Um, I'm done with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's I uh, WWE. I subscribed for WrestleMania, and I'm like, then I I forgot to cancel it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's one of those things. Yep. I'm trying
1: to think what I have now. I have what's the dumb one? I have Netflix. I have Hulu. I have Disney Plus, I have Apple TV Plus, I have uh, Paramount Plus, I have
0: Paramount Plus. That's that's for Star, Star Trek, Trek, all the Star Trek.
1: Eh. No, and the new Star Trek's. are like gonna be four new seasons of Star Trek this year? Four different shows have new seasons. Paramount this Plus. Year?
0: You and three people are buying that thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's it's a funny, it dovetails right into people building labs because the number of people, even smaller home users that, you know, reach out that want help because they have forums and things like that. Um, it's, you know, they, they never directly say it because no one wants to post it publicly. But like, I need to build this, you know, 200 terabyte server at home with redundancy
0: and Plex set up. But, you know, it's just
2: for home movies, of course. It's not to download right. <laughs> Well,
0: that was one of the hiring enough people in the corporate world technology and nerds and geeks that was like one of my top questions was what's in your home lab yeah and i, and I just wanted to hear it, w- it wasn't a disqualifier if they said nothing but you know i want to find out if they're you know where they're are they inquisitive um or are they like me where it's just everything you know if you have need support you got to call the manufacturer you don't know, tinker with it yourself because i you know i'm not a tinker right that's why you know, i'm in sales and not in engineering you know what i mean typical yeah. uh but that, that was always interesting to hear about the things that some people built. Like it went as far as like Nuri, where his entire basement was like a collaborative lab with like seven people, like working on everything down there from soup to nuts. Um, I had a
2: guy I hired a while back, and uh, you know, filled out his resume, and I I looked at his uh, resume, and he had his GitHub link on there, but he didn't mention it at all during the interview. I'm like, all right, so I looked at what he did for Git on GitHub, and I'm like. Um, you you contributed code that runs the Wikimedia Foundation. He's like, yeah, and I'm like, that's you didn't interesting. Think to bring this up. <laughs> you should have brought that up. In interviews. It was the first person I told. Him. He goes, oh, I don't know. I just kind of did it. And I submitted code, and he goes, actually, he he wrote a bunch of code that got submitted to some of the World of Warcraft game management system, and he uh, had all these other projects. I'm like, oh, okay. You you have way more skills than you. Um, applied here for it. And it was a hobby because he was, he was young at the time. I think he was 19 when I heard him. His answer was, I, well, why, why, so what happened? You know, just like what happened to your last job. I seen you work for Jimmy John's. You don't like working there. He goes, "I accidentally backed into the boss's car, and he fired me." <laughs> oh like, my god! But but you have <laughs> all the programming skills. He goes, "Oh yeah, that's actually what I want to do." But you're a computer store, and I, I he applied for a computer store position, and I end up uh, he wrote my
0: first point of sale system like fifteen years ago or something like that when I hired him. So speaking like of, uh, speaking of computer store, you and my dad have a thing in common. Um, you both worked at a TV repair shop. My dad did after retirement, but, um, apparently, so you put up, you posted a picture on yeah. Facebook that <laughs> should have been, there's that nerd guy in the basement. Like it's almost the identical picture yeah. wearing, a, wearing a hoodie. That's way too big. Yep. Like this should have been like the nerd picture of the guy in the basement, like yep. from the, from the eighties. But you no, know, we get to, we have this one with your, uh, with your faith, no more hair. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> those, those ridiculous, those towers that probably weighed forty pounds. Look uh, how tall that one on the right is. How yep. in that thing. Nothing good.
1: <laughs> so much beige.
0: <laughs>
2: Uh, the TV repair business you know I got into the whole electronics TV repair I've always been you know a board level electronic nerd from when I was a kid and uh, an opportunity presented itself so I started Lawrence technologies in 2003 separate I owned a suburban TV repair uh, I, I bought it um, from a guy who didn't want it anymore and uh, revamped the business i ended up acquiring a partner with it which was why the business uh, had more problems partners apparently are um, crazy and I was young No, yeah, yeah. no one knows about that right <laughs> but uh uh the the uh, it was fun though I learned. Uh, a lot about managing some of the electronic side of it. Where do you get all the parts from? How you you know how you bill for the repairs for that side of the house? Uh, we actually had a lot of contracts with uh, we we prepared a lot of high end audio equipment besides tv So that's what got me into being more of an audio nerd uh, than I was originally. Learning of how the you know we built. All, uh, I had a guy that could fix all the tube based Marantz stuff. So we have people bringing us their you know Marantz amps and things. These are you know Uh, thousand two three thousand dollar amps and
0: we were replacing tubes in them and stuff like that uh it was it was it was a lot of fun you never think you always think that those are drug (laughs) fronts until you hang out in front of one for a while like my dad worked at molly tv and molly tv existed on 13 and hoover for probably 40 years and i'm like pop nobody brings their shit there what are you doing and he goes you'd be surprised he goes we're backlogged i'm like i always just thought when your tv's dead it's dead you throw it you know you get a new one it's you know i
2: i'm i don't know why people have a weird attachment to electronics that i've never had like i like it as a skill set but i've never been going oh this microphone this i have some like affection for but people are like that with their TVs especially or any of their stereo equipment man i'm like you can buy another one but you don't say that but if you're thinking like i could you buy another one I'm like no 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 this is a classic. I must repair. I will tell you absurd. Like,
0: the cabinets from back in the day, like the seven late 70s, early 80s, the big cabinet TVs, they were like, that was those were gorgeous. That was like furniture. You look at That's it funny. now, mine's a it's a mirror. It's a it's a picture you hang on the wall. You know what I mean? It's it's such a different mindset. Like the yeah. one of the ones we had, my dad had an old Grundig uh record player. Um, never nothing else, yeah. though, but it's got the ivory keys on it. Um, he almost killed me once. I put a house record on there when I was like 18, and like I never thought my father was gonna kill me before. But he like gets up on the chair. He goes, "If you don't turn this off right now, I'm gonna murder you." Um, but yeah, it's funny uh, when you talk about the team repair shop. My my dad, who he, he got me in a lot of the electronics too. He was he bought Pong for me like when I was eight or whatever. You know, 300 bought modem for a Commodore 64, right? Um, but he figured out how to um, take the computer get uh german german radio through the through the computer ran his red and white through the basement up through the living room plugged it in a the cd recorder in his in his pioneer stereo he bought and then recorded six hours of german radio then he would use it at the german club as currency like he had this like just collection of you know six hour clips of german radio and he would That's cool. date it and time it and bring it to the euchre parties and give it out to everybody and you know but he, t- he told me he was all happy. He goes, I figured out how to record the streamline radio, Bobby. And I'm like, streamline radio pop? And he's like, I don't know what it is. It comes over the computer. And I'm like, oh, streaming radio. Ah, you know. That's neat.
1: Me, they, I, I guess got a pirate on, there. Me, <laughs> uh,
0: I think the, the, I work on the Grundig
2: and I worked on, um, I think it was called Telefunken. Uh, they were also a German one that was really high end. We had some of those come through. They were, the, they were, like the furniture from the fifties, sixties and they were art. Uh I actually employed one the one of my the guy who knew the most about tubes was this guy named Graham uh, that I had hired. And he was from England spoke with he He actually always sounded Boston to me, but um, he was straight up from England. But boy, that guy, he'd been working on tube TV since the seventies. He was about, I don't know, 25 or 30 years older than me, but boy, he just knew it. He just understood every one of those. You could pick a tube up across the room and you know, which one it was. Oh, that was that model over here. I, it's in this box over here. Let me go. That one. That's what goes bad on those models. And yeah, that was, it's an interesting business.
0: No, world. Crazy. Like I said, like that and like I was in line for Chick-fil-A and there's a vacuum repair shop on Holland Shainer. And I must have saw four or five people going in there when I was just like five cars deep waiting because it's right to the left. And I'm like, did people go into the vacuum repair shop? Like I, I never – I thought those were drug fronts. Again, those yep. in Christian bookstores and vacuum cleaner places. But they're everywhere. Well, um, in Breaking Bad, they were the place that make people
2: disappear if you remember that.
0: <laughs> no. The vacuum cleaner places?
2: Yeah, don't you did you watch Breaking
0: Bad? Yeah, I did. It, yeah. it's been a you while. Remember the, 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 I don't remember the guy's, the actor's
2: name. Um, but when he went, when he had to disappear, when everyone was looking for him, uh, he went to that vacuum cleaner repair shop. You'd ask a specific question and he would take you back downstairs and he'd make you, he'd give you a
0: new ID. And yeah, that was, uh, I didn't know there was a vacuum. But yeah, yeah, no, I totally know the scene you're talking about. I just thought I yeah. it was a vacuum place. Yep. That's hysterical. Um, So what's, I mean, Lawrence Systems, you guys are, you know, What's next? I don't want to say what's next for you guys because it's always a stupid question. But you guys are, you know, you built this YouTube channel up. You're, yep. you know, it's kind of like your your marketing engine. Um, you know, I, I guess talk to me about what Lawrence Systems does because it's kind of a, I guess we haven't talked about that yet. Then we'll dive into. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
2: well, we turn chaos into money. Um, <laughs> people come to us with their weird
0: ideas and projects. Uh, so YouTube is the marketing what was, uh, what was Dave's line? He was I'm a reverse hooker. Oh it's yeah, like people only call me after they get effed.
2: Yeah, like- <laughs> you call me to un-eff it. That's yeah.
0: yeah, that that's
2: definitely um, a big part of it. Is sometimes we we come in and reverse engineer what happened and things like that. That's uh, that's common. The, the, you know what? There's actually a lot of that because open source being free, it it's like cool. I got all these free tools. I stacked them together in the colo. It uh, it kind of works. Or we're not sure why it works. And the guy that set it up. Vanished. He quit answering emails. And uh, can you come sort this out and reverse engineer it? So yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Is kind of
0: the uneffing it, the reverse hooker problem. <laughs> is that the? Uh, is that the? Okay, we're charging you double now.
2: Yeah, sometimes um, we we try to we we try to be reasonable, but yeah, it, it's a skill set to be able to reverse that. Um, the other big thing that we end up doing a lot of, we cover a diverse array of products, but that also means, and like any tech uh, companies you run into, they have a diverse array. So you know, we specialize sometimes in connecting diverse arrays of firewalls to each other. So it's not like they're building site to site VPNs with um, the same brand They're building a site to site to site. And each one of those sites has a different one. And let's talk about all the interoperability issues um, that come with that. You know, we just did that. That was a part of the project for today with the company with the 1100 servers is like, Oh yeah, by the way, we don't have the same firewall at all the locations that we need tied together. So we need the VPN to work. By the way, these are the three firewalls we're using. Can you make them all talk? Oh, by the way, the routing rules um, are kind of messy because we need a bunch of extra static routes
0: and things like that. So a big part of like that's one point where I would just say, listen, um, we're putting in new firewalls. It's going to be cheaper than trying to figure out how to make these three work. Just period.
2: So we pitch that first. That's always uh, plan right. A is pitch that. <laughs>
0: then when they
2: list out the reasons why they can't do that necessarily, then uh, we start the plan B of making them work. And uh, it, it's a skill set that we've just adapted to over the time of having done so many of them. We're able to get a lot of things working that are uh, fairly diverse from each other. Um, the other side of it too, you know, back to like the, the, I do the virtualization talks. That's led us to a lot of uh, virtualization migration systems, which people overcomplicate the hell out of. I, I, You can simplify that process quite a bit too. So those are some of the consulting things we do is how to simplify it, automate it, sometimes train their team on how to do it. Uh, sometimes I'll create custom videos that are not published publicly, but their videos like to show them how to do exactly their migration that may go inside. Um, and the final one is storage servers, uh, because we talk a lot about TrueNAS. That actually is one of the more popular Uh, storage servers used in movie studios. So we've landed some of the things you watched on Netflix. We work with some of the remastering companies. You mentioned Marvel movies. One of the... Now, I didn't realize there's a ton of uh, virtual effects companies. One of them that works on some of the Marvel movies, they worked on Superman and a couple others. uh, uh, We're not... Yeah, they worked on Superman and, and a couple of the Marvel ones, but uh, we do the back end for them. They it's all storage servers. They do the color grading. Like it's so broken out. I, I, Hollywood's confusing me because it's so broken out into uh, so many small little facets. Like we do color grading and we do this part of the VFX. It's not one company like you see.
0: They're the tracers. Yeah, they're the well, tracers. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's funny though. Like even like with, with video editing, how crazy it is. I have a neighbor that edits. Uh, documentaries for PBS and it's an hour, a minute for him to get out a like, so it's 30 hours to get out a half an hour show or 20, 22 hours. Cause it's 22 or 24 minutes with commercials. But I'm like, when you hear it, some other people are like, Oh, it's only, you know, two hours for me to get out of, you know, an hour videos, but it's, it's, it's a completely different animal. So yeah, the Hollywood stuff, I can't even imagine the facets that they get into. The the Maybe size of the storage is impressive.
1: Uh, Greg was wondering what your production like for your YouTube videos is. Uh, how many hours of production to minutes of video produced? Um,
2: probably. The, um, I do so much in one take. That's always the goal is that we minimize the editing. And um, so for the most part, for an hour video, there's probably – Thirty to thirty minutes to an hour of production. It varies depending on the type of content. So if I'm doing a detailed tutorial, the production time can actually exceed the time it took to film the video because there's so many cuts I have to go in. But if I'm doing some of the more talking head stuff, where I'm kind of just riffing it through like when i'm talking about a story uh, what i might refer to as hero content uh the production goes way back on that the only production time is maybe some drops inserts and visual interrupts that i do to like you know overlay whatever because what i'm good at is i'll memorize all the different articles i'll talk to them but then i'll overlay them in so it's only the time it took me to overlay them in and on a 10 minute video like i did some of the solar winds breakdowns Uh, The videos are relatively short, but those took like 20 minutes to edit. They were quick edits. The tutorials are always the detailed ones because I'm so uh, careful. I have to rewatch the entire video, which makes it that much more of a pain in the butt to edit.
1: (laughs) What kind of tools do you use when you are actually making like tutorial videos?
2: Um, I use OBS Studio for all my ingesting. So, OBS Studios is what brings everything in. Um, and I real time switch everything into a single stream. So, I have the Stream Deck. Basically, I copied what the gamers were doing because the gamers are producing everything in real time. They're switching angles, they're cutting to different scenes, they're putting drops in, but they're doing it all live. And I'm like, okay, what are they using? So, OBS studios and a stream deck. Okay. That's pretty cool. I'm uh, built in multiple feeds. This allows me then to just switch between all the feeds with a little button on there. I have one friend uh, who's a professional video production guy who hates that. I, he sees me switch it. He's like, you should have someone else like cutting the angles for you. And I'm like, I don't know. I got a button on my desk and I'm just pressing it. Cause I'm not trying to hide the movie magic here, man. I'm not creating a cinematic experience. No, literally I'm holding a product in my hand. Let me press a button to go to the overhead. <laughs> like no one
0: cares. Um, oh no, God, no. Yeah, I think they'd rather have the have it authentic. I think yeah. there's, there's a charm to that.
2: And product reviews are something I can do super fast because of that. I'll, I'll set up a couple of camera angles for product review, and I'm holding product in one hand or pointing at it, and I can instantly switch without changing even a sentence. All right, and this is where the RAM goes, you know, and you click a button and now you're popping in the overhead of it because each one of the uh, views has a preview, so I know where things are looking before I set up the shot, you know, or before I switch to that shot, I should say. Um, so overall the production, th- what makes the tutorial so difficult in this goes to what makes a good tutorial is accuracy and indexing everything. When you, uh, everyone appreciates when you take, if I have an hour long tutorial on like a firewall video, I'll index all the different segments. So you can skip ahead to only the section you cared about, only the part you wanted to learn about. Oh, I only wanted to understand the VPN part of this firewall. I don't care about the hour video. I care about the 12 minutes of VPN talk. So I let people index and skip to it. But that means I have to watch it. Myself after I recorded it, I have to type all the descriptions, all the indexes to describe what part is what section. That's what really can take up uh, a bit of time for the editing. Those edits can go a couple hours to one hour of the video.
0: But that, those are the things people appreciate, right? Instead of, oh, yeah. you know, instead of fast forwarding themselves, you're you know you're letting them. There's videos, uh, comedy videos I watch all the time where he's like, the the clickbait is the part I want to watch. Like, guy drives RC car with train horns on the golf course. Cool. But it's at the five minute mark, but he tells you it up front. He goes, here's this other crap. But, you know, the yeah. stuff you wanted is at the five minute mark. Since you're doing gamer stuff, though, you got to do a clickbaity one, man. Like, Ubiquity is the new meta, and you got to be like mind blown, and you got to make that face because every, like, yeah. Nick Murks and Stone Mountain, they all have like the identical YouTube preview screen. They're, 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 every gamer does the same exact screen.
2: Yeah, I started to put my face in more of the videos in terms of the thumbnails. Um, I did go back and redo thumbnails. I, I I sat down, my my cousin actually does YouTube consulting, so I spent some time hanging out with her and learned like a lot about what I should or shouldn't do. So uh, she really helped me tweak my channel about uh, a month ago. I think I was hanging out with her and uh, she is it's funny to see my cousin in, in the two sides of her because she's got this whole family cutesy channel that I honestly don't watch her content because it's not what I'm. It's not, I'm not interested in what her and her dogs are doing, but um, her background is business and that's what she actually has a degree in. She understands this and she actually makes a ton of money consulting, uh, building large channels for people. It's kind of uh, crazy. So she did help me out on that, but it is weird because. I didn't think that would work. I'm like, I'm come on, I'm a tech channel. This won't work. And she's so right, you know, asking the question in the video and the like in the title and the way you, uh, you know, make the curiosity out of putting your face in there or looking stupid and kind of like, you know, but it works. She's right. I, I you AB test it next thing you know, crazy amounts of views on a video because you can, uh, Tools like TubeBuddy will let you A-B test a uh, two thumbnails. So you can do one thumbnail where I think it would work, where I just put the product name or something in a picture of something that looks like I'd want to click on it. I would want to click on it. Uh, and I put one with me making a stupid face holding a holding some electronics piece like the firewall itself. It turns out people click on my face, and I don't even
0: know why. <laughs> we rate the top 10 firewalls. Number seven will blow your mind. It's, it's stupid that that works. <laughs> I wish it didn't. I want to see number seven. You know, mm-hmm. that, like, what goes through your, like, my brain? Like, because I click that crap, too, all the time.
2: Like, I can't. That was my favorite was it Reddit, Our Shower Thoughts, when someone had posted. Uh, I know how clickbait works. It's all they had posted. And the the reply in the comments was just, yep. <laughs> like, you clicked it. Like, yep.
0: We all fall for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, to, it. I was watching my uh, Good Mythical Morning uh, today around, like, 6-ish. And, like, because I wanted to see which orange chicken was the best out of the frozen versus the pf chang and i'm like why did i watch this like uh, you know panda express is the best great not now you know it doesn't make me eat or not eat, or you know what i mean yeah Rhett and link are awesome
2: like they, oh, they really great. gotta figured it out
0: no they gotta but i mean they're at the point where it's kind of like uh oh that's kind of one thing i don't know um if you ever i've, I've been following this whole steven crowder thing i don't know if you know who he is yeah i guess he got demonetized then he got completely deplatformed, and now his uh, video just came out. I just saw it before the show was he's suing YouTube now because uh, they've targeted him, and it's like, you know, it gets into this whole like it's 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 crazy with the with the censorship with big tech. Um, but I guess they got the, he's the only one that I follow that got. Dist- I think Tim Pool got hit too, um, but just got completely demonetized and um, trying to shut him down. <clears throat> I don't know. He trolls people
2: and, and there's a lot of YouTubers that do that. They troll, they try to do something that's always on the edge, but conference, you know, it, it's, they play with the nuance of it, I should say. And uh, he's, he's been doing it for a while. And at some point it catches up with you and you're like, all right, you've been an ass for too long.
0: Well, I only watched him because I really liked the way he argued because I, I'm, I'm, fascinated by that like people that can argue and talk like we're talking now but be completely on opposite sides of the fence and have heated discussions but talk like this I, I think he's brilliant when he does that but then he gets into the shit where he's chasing people down that made a comment you know like a threat and you know and kind of being a dick and it's like you didn't need to do that you were really good at this whole you know debate and argument it, It's chasing Um, the sensationalism,
2: uh, and it's just – at some point, you chase it down, and he's even gone to the point where he's removed some of his more controversial videos, and he says, oh – I'm the victim. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't see any of this. And like, um, dude, you removed that video. Someone copied it. Here's what you actually said that got you in trouble, but you're right. But then you're being articulate on the next video and not being that way. And then playing like, Oh, they're targeting me. And I'm like,
0: but he was initially a comedian, but he got, he was really good at debate. And that's like, again, I was, it doesn't make me like him anymore when he does the goofy shit. It was never about that. It was about the debate part. I, you know,
2: yeah. It, it can be challenging because you're, you know, the nice thing is with tech, it's much less controversial. So I've never had to worry too much about getting demonetized on a video. Um, but once you start diving and touching politics at all, oh. you're right. It just becomes,
0: it, it's, it's a firestorm.
2: And yeah, it's one of the reasons yeah, we, I, always, the that's what
0: we always we always had a rule on this show. Like I don't give a shit. Don't ever talk about politics. I think we had one episode right before the election where Dave had to spout off and, whatever. I let him go and I kept my mouth shut. But for the most part, you know what I mean? It's like, nah, because you, you, we always talk about it being, it's the Keith Olbermann uh, meth model where he was beloved on ESPN or like Yankees guy. And uh, he went out and did MSNBC and was a smug, smug dick, you know, on one side of the, the aisle. Then he tried to come back to ESPN and people are like, nah, no, kiss my ass. Like, what, he he kept half his audience. The other half was like, screw you, because that's what that's what politics does to you. You cut off. I never understood that with businesses too. Why would you pick a side because you just alienated half of your half of your customer base? Right. It makes I no mean, sense.
2: And it's interesting because I, I, too many people, I think um, they make politics part of their life. Like they're, they're so deeply inside of it. It becomes, like you said, they rah-rah on every post they can. They have to make it part of their identity is their politics. And I'm like, what happened in the middle? I don't even know what side of the fence my grandpa was on. I don't know. I'm like, think about that. Like, you know, now, but you, you didn't have to know. I I have no idea how my
0: parents voted. I'm not going to lie. I have zero idea.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, you you get concerned about the issues we all care about making society better. We sure. all have different opinions on how to do that, and I think that's where we come together, but I'm like some people who make it part of their identity and I'm like no, no, you vote every 4 years for president, you can just get keep an eye on what he's doing, vote the guy out when after 4 years cuz he did it wrong or whatever, but it doesn't need to be your daily life to revolve around it. That's how i always
0: looked at yeah. it. <laughs> well, I'm the guy that like as an individual I'm a, you know, I'm the Chris I'm the Chris Rock party, the party of Chris Rock. You know, certain things I'm conservative. Certain things I'm liberal, and yeah, you know, like what are you gonna do? I, I actually think more people
2: are like that. We just happen to notice the people who are on either extreme. They're more more noticeable because they're loud, they're vocal, and they the fifteen percent on us. each side.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and they annoy some, the bits
2: out of both of us. Like we're sitting some, going, oh god, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be around the extreme. I don't care which side you're on, but the extreme of either side
0: is yeah. usually people I don't want to hang out with. Some uh, pundit was like it was called like the seventy project, and it was like fifteen percent on both sides are nuts. Um the middle 70 are the pretty rational, you know what I mean? So let's like yep. let's all kind of let's join together because we're more than the 30, you know what I mean? So yep. <laughs> so what else is going on by you? Uh, after home lab. After you- home lab, back to the um
2: other stuff we're doing. It's um Trying to figure out, in you know, I, I commented before the show is finding the happy balance of whoring myself out. <laughs> Can we just say it that way? I guess. Sure. Because <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, you get um, the the number of as you grow a channel. That by the way, we, this show is brought
0: to you by Erox Wireless Access Points.
2: Yeah, I wonder
0: if you coupon code IT that he still works. By the way, I got to check.
2: Yeah, it's um, finding a happy balance because technically I I do have a little pre-roll in there that says, hey, if you'd like to hire a short project, you know, there's a hires button at the top of our website. I have a little, you know, spiel I put in. So technically I am advertising myself but it's finding that balance. So I do an ad insert and myself and, I'm, you know, trying to keep the audience happy. Um, I want to, I like the idea of community give back, but Hey, I got bills to pay. I, I sit that's, in um, front of so a $20,000. Bill- I sit in
0: a $20,000 studio. Someone has to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's triple dipping. I mean, just to be candid, you'd have to yeah. pretty much dip your, dip your anus and rubbing alcohol every night to, you know, wash that out. <laughs> to, did I say that out loud? Yeah, it's all it's right. Pretty, I <laughs> or the holy water, one of the two. No, because it's usually that was uh, our take was if we're only going to do ads, let's do, you know, let's do brand ads and, and not do Patreon and not do, you know, and some people like Jer from Daily does, you know, just strictly Patreon. Um,
2: yeah. I, what I'm trying to do right now is uh, I'm working with a couple of people that have some ad ideas and I'm going to make sure. What I, what there is, is a lot of on YouTube and um, they just don't disclose this. I know a couple of YouTubers that I, it's unfortunate. It's kind of slimy, but they get stuff given to them all the time and they do positive reviews because they're given equipment and they never disclose it and no one's chasing them down. So their positive reviews aren't, I mean, oh, you you them, that. see, that's the thing. well, you gotta the gotta FTC has it. regulations,
1: but if they're they not get- enforcing them, then what's the point? And- It's also hard to
2: chase. Like, um, if I do a review on something, do you know that they gave it to me? If I don't disclose it, the investigative work, it would take the FTC. Did Tom really get that
0: product for free? Did they mail it to him or did he buy it? Prove it. You know, I'll give you some advice on that. Do what we did when we initially had Motor City Comic Con, the the general manager on and and the guy that owns it, and when we had Comcast on, where, say, hey, these guys sent me this thing. I'm going to peel it apart. Give it a couple two bad check marks but give it like 10 good check marks or just be you know just be candid but like don't just glow about the thing oh it's the best thing ever just cuz they send it to you now pick out a part couple things that suck that way you can you know what i mean uh maintain yeah, some kind of cred well we mostly not um, that i just gave away your business model now you can't do that you know yeah
2: i can't do that now um it's funny because uh we started reviewing unify is a great example of that we started u- u- uh, reviewing all the unify ubiquity equipment which then randomly in the mail, ubiquity equipment started arriving. They started just sending us stuff, which I thought was cool. They do not send us anything anymore. And um, a lot of people appreciate that. The company has certainly had some missteps and I have never had a problem ranting a little bit or covering in depth where they screwed up with the product. And uh, it's funny when you talk to them, like they're, the, the person I would talk to before there was like, no, we went a different direction. That's all they'll say. We won't send you anything, which is fine. We've been buying and reviewing all the stuff like we were before we met ubiquity uh, product people. So now we just keep buying it ourselves. But my alignment I'm doing right now is the sponsors are going to be, uh, I'm going to find third parties. Why well, I, I should say I have found some third parties. that will be sponsoring the purchase of the equipment. So I will read their ad, but they're purchasing something unrelated to what they sell. So, a voice company wanted to advertise on my channel while I'm reviewing a storage server. Unrelated products. So, my I think, like,
0: coffee, beer, stuff like that yeah. ties in good. It's, like, you know, stuff that, you know, energy drinks. You know, I wouldn't yeah. say, you know, because once you start getting into sponsoring, like, you know, you should do the Casper mattresses, though. Those uh, are great. I, yeah. I do sleep on mine. <laughs> uh, will Monster Energy sponsor a check channel? I mean, <laughs> is Joel still around. That's the old school hacker stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I know Red Bull sponsor pretty much anything these days, so. Yeah. <laughs> um no, but I have a there's a company that I've worked with in the past. I think now that you've gotten to the point where you are at, um I think that they'd love to talk to you. So, um you you can dive down that hole and see what happens.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, just text me offline. We'll get we'll we will connect on that. So, um that's a part of it. The the other side too is um So there's a sponsorship side of it. I I still do the Patreon because people want to just say, I want to just give you money. And so I still have it. I don't push it, though. Um, It's kind of a way – I'm trying to figure out what I'm probably going to do, though, with Patreon. That's another little step I'm doing is uh, create a non-YouTube experience. Uh, So I'll put those videos – my friend started doing this, and it's working out well for him. He puts them all on Vimeo for free where there's no ads. And so, cool. Subscribe to Patreon because there is just a large number of tech people that go, I'm not, I'm not giving Google any of my money. They're just hell-bent against it. So they don't want to subscribe to the YouTube Red or whatever. I know it's got a different name. I still call it YouTube Red like it was when it first came out, which I just wanted to well, call I it I keep changing it every three weeks, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah Google, uh, that's a different rant to can't keep a product or a name for any length of time. Uh, but if I, my friend does is he uploads everything to Vimeo about a day or two early, sometimes a week early before he uploads it to YouTube. All the Patreon people that subscribe to him get to watch it. You get an ad free experience on Vimeo and Vimeo is really cheap from a backend standpoint to uh, be able to do that for your Patreons. It, you know, it more than pays for itself. So it's kind of like a, a simple little give back. I looked at float paint float plane, which is run by uh, Linus tech tips. Um, but uh, the Linus Media Group and me, we couldn't quite figure out if there was an alignment there between the videos I do and uh, the audiences they have. So try, I'm probably just going to go back to Vimeo for that because it's kind of easy. That's yeah,
0: we always we a toyed a around with...
1: That's that, Tom. What's that? <laughs> That's a polite way of phrasing that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always <laughs> toyed around that if we'd ever do Patreon, it would be like, hey, if you had fun during the show and you want to buy us a beer, go to Patreon and like ask for like five bucks. Yeah. It was never like... You know never like a monthly subscription or anything it's just like hey you know if you like what you saw you know you want to buy us a beer send us five bucks on patreon we never pulled the trigger but that to me that seemed like the least intrusive you know
2: yeah, I just put a link at the bottom. Like, if you want to subscribe to it here, mm. I just haven't done anything. And I've actually got quite a few people subscribed to me on Patreon when they offered me $2. I'm only asking 2 bucks a month if they want to subscribe or they oh, can do yeah. a donation. I'm not trying to hit them for something, but it's enough that it makes probably Vimeo worth it. And then the step after that is going to be... um I realized the business content, there's a demand for it. There's like a, a, a group of the 190 something thousand people that watch my channel that want the business content. I just need to split it off into another section. Um, I'm actually working with one of my friends from the UK. Uh, we're going to do some kind of focus around MSP because he's an MSP from the UK. Uh, me being an MSP in the US, we're going to co-op some content together uh, that'll go on those channels.
0: Cool. Well, hey, congrats on your success. Uh, I know we can find you online at lawrencesystems.com. Am I correct? Yep. Everything starts at lawrencesystems.com. You can find me on the Twitters
2: and the YouTube and wherever else, forums. And subscribe to you and
0: hit the notification button. Oh, yeah, if you want to be annoyed by my video uploads. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, always a pleasure seeing you, man. I hope hope to see you at the meetup in June over at Nancy Whiskey. You Um, will. If not, we'll catch up another time. But uh, we're going to wrap things up for episode 396. Uh, thank you tom lawrence appreciate the great content the great stories uh and reminiscing always a pleasure talking to you on behalf of bob and randy uh do us all a favor drink up your drinks get your phone numbers you don't got to go home you just got to get the hell out of here we'll see you next week drive careful beat it bye goodbye